right, welcome back. Episode 31 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, a.k.a. TV Sports Guys. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, a.k.a. Cards Max. Max, say what's up. What's up? And we're very lucky to be joined today by a Pokemon legend, a true young old head in the hobby, uh, Trading Card Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Where are you at these days? Yeah, I'm doing good. Happy to be on the podcast. Um, I'm in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I used to be in North Carolina. Got to meet a uh, good old Max over here, and that's how we kind of connected. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, a nice friendship ever since. So Tommy, I know it's our, our first time connecting. So nice yeah. to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we love having Seattle guests out here on the Young Old Heads podcast. But uh, Joe, me and you actually connected because I posted a picture of my one of my old roommates who moved out a few months ago but um chris he when i moved in with him after college he saw that i was collecting cards and he's right you're from st louis too joe yeah from st louis right outside so he was like i need a cool pools card you got to help me find it i helped him figure what like get like a nice like tops chrome uh rookie and then you replied to the tweet or like sent me a dm and was like what the heck you know chris so uh, always funny when you have like random small world stuff like that, but um, we're super glad to have you on the podcast. I personally am super ignorant on Pokemon, and we've often talked about trying to compare across like the trading card world, figure out some comparisons, you know, just kind of like a fun way of talking about cards in a way that like I feel like other content, you know, doesn't really do too much of. So, Joe, you want to just start with kind of like a breakdown of like how you started collecting and kind of where you're at now on it? Who is Trading Card Joe? Who is Trading Card Joe? Yeah. So, um, well, started collecting like as a kid. Um, I think the first. How old are you now? I'm tr- so right now I'm 24. So 1998. Um, I really started a collection from like my uncle's 90s baseball cards, bunch of bunch of junk wax. Um, I had a shoebox full of, of baseball cards, and that's pretty much how I started collecting. I've always been a, a collector of sorts, not necessarily like cards. Like I've always liked collecting like coins and stamps. Like I was really close with my grandpa. So I had a bunch of old man hobbies when I was a little kid. I and uh, That's the yeah. true young old head, true young old head there. Yeah. So I've always thought like just collecting stuff in general was, was super fun. Um, my first pack of Pokemon cards I ever opened was base set two. Um, I don't remember what age, but I remember I had a binder full of a base set two. Um, wishing I, I kept those sealed now just because so the what's base set to in sports terms what would be that oh man that's a hard one max would you be able to articulate that better because you know sports yeah. better than you know. that would be if 1952 tops re-released 1952 tops with the same cards except in 1956 okay I got it. That makes total sense. Because exactly. <laughs> you ripped base set two, and that's what you were ripping Pokemon was. Yeah, and to be honest, I um, that was probably like one of the last Pokemon packs I opened up until I was like sixteen or seventeen, um, because I really was like opening up Yu Gi Oh a bunch. I like all my friends like Yu Gi Oh. It's like we would, I wouldn't say like play the TCG because like I never really learned how, but like. We would just like throw cards at each other. Like, I don't know, like just stuff like kids do. Yeah, so, kid versions. I, yeah, I babysat kids I feel, like, I mean, watching them play TCG is hilarious. I love it. I feel Max- like a very common anecdotal trope that I've seen with the younger Gen Z trading card collectors is that when we were growing up first, second, third grade, even through middle school, if you collected at that point and opened cards at that point, no one that you knew played the TCG and you weren't going to go out of your way to find out how. Nowadays, there's more resources to be able to build your decks online and pay, play competitively. But when we were smaller and littler, that resource wasn't available, let alone peers that also wanted to engage in playing the trading card game. So I think that has resulted in a skewed amount of TCG gamers being millennials and older crowd. Yeah, and I mean, like, I was, so I played sports. I played soccer, basketball, a little bit of volleyball. Um, I did one semester of community college, uh, Juco soccer. Um, but like growing up, like I was like an athlete. I like 
didn't know if like it was cool enough to be like talking about like collecting Pokemon cards and stuff. But like now that I'm like an adult and I'm like, I don't really care what anybody thinks. Like I like it. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. So um, I wish I, my younger self would have like talked about it more and enjoyed it more, um, yeah. which is, I, which is cool. I get to enjoy it now. For sure. That's, that's something me and Max have talked a lot about on episodes is like, I grew up, I didn't even talk about the fact that I had a huge baseball card collection with a lot of people, but also like, nowadays i feel like it's just like pretty rare to find like people our age who have like hobbies that they're passionate about and like aren't sure. self-conscious about and i feel like if you're passionate about anything that's a positive and you could you should just like be proud of it so i'm i'm glad that that's where you ended up on your card collecting journey you know the same as me and max here but uh Tommy, right. I always thought you were the opposite in that you were more unabashed about your collecting i didn't know you were a closeted collector I was not a closeted collector necessarily. I was definitely like Joe though, where like I collected like a lot of weird things sometimes or like what my family used to say is I used to get like obsessed with things. So like I yeah, like memorized, I memorized all the world series winners one year when I was like in second grade or like stuff like that, where like I would just kind of get like hyper locked in on something. Uh, but cards were like the thing that like, yeah, I know even during, 2019 ish so pre-covid pre-boom before collecting was more mainstream i was still like yeah i'm get, I like even like telling my friends yeah i'm into this like baseball card thing and they're like oh like vintage and i'm like no like one's just made like a year ago and my friends would be confused i it was obviously you look at the box it says ages six plus it's pretty hard to convey that you're yeah. into this stuff but now that there's a lot of more money and finances being influxed into this, it's much more digestible and it's more of like a hype beast thing. Yeah, people my, get it more. Joe, how many people sent you the article about the NFL player that sold like a card for a million dollars, a Pokemon card for a million dollars, and then like quit the NFL the next day? Did you get a lot of texts? Yeah, like my aunts and uncles, like everything. They're like, "Do you have these? Can you look at my old collection?" Like all this like stuff, and I'm like, "I, I guarantee you, nobody we know has the." you know that card the, the 1996 kamakuro ichiro oh excuse me not ichiro the ichiro. illustrator illustrator card yeah. i was messing up my beginning with eyes yeah but, a lot of people sent me that which was funny um and you know what's really nice is now i have a really big family so i'm like we have i have 30 cousins and i'm number 23 so like all of them are younger than me and a lot of them are starting to be like three four or five so they're starting to like get their own hobbies like dinosaurs and pokemon cards and stuff so now i'm like the cool cousin or the cool uncle because like i've got access to all the cards and i can send them everything so i'm hoping that like they enjoy it more as a kid like than i did because they have like more of an access to it like because of me so that's kind of like one of my goals is like i develop into like trading card joe as a persona is like being able to help like my cousins and my nephews and everything kind of start collecting so it's it's been really fun that's awesome I, i'm intrigued so I was at a sports card show yesterday. I was buying a few boxes of value bins and mostly junkier cards that people didn't really like. And I made a deal with a kid on his on one row of his value box for, I think, $400. And I was, after the fact, I was talking to one of the dealers and I was articulating that, oh, yeah, you know, he was a tough negotiator. He wouldn't come off 425. He was saying that I was at 450, even though I was actually 400. And he was just saying, the, my dealer friend at the other table was like, yeah, you know, that kid's just all in it for the money, which is definitely something that's more common with sports. Lots of new kid collectors aren't there just to open the pack and get the Bryce Harper base card and enjoy it, like I did when I was 14, a little bit older to enjoy that, but when I was at that age. But a lot of it is in it for the money. Are you seeing from your own experiences, younger collectors think about the finances? Joe, are your three and four-year-old cousins worried about their investment portfolios? No, not necessarily the three and four-year-old cousins, but this kid I was dealing with was like nine. Um, I don't know. So like, I have like a handful of cousins that are around three or four. They really could care less like what the value is. Now, I think one advantage they do have is if I do ship them stuff, I'm going to ship them top loaders and sleeves. So like that they can protect it. And then I'll tell their dad and mom, like, Hey, if this card gets pulled, throw it in the sleeve or whatever and, and hold it. So I think, um, not so much that they're worried about like what it's worth, but I think like 
condition i'd like i don't know education i think it's really important so if i can educate them they're like hey it's fun to show this off and play with it but like don't trade it for like a ripped up pikachu card from like battle styles or something like keep it don't take it to school stuff like that so battle, battle styles give it to me what is it what's the comparison there oh battle styles is, is that like, like uh, opening, day? opening day yeah it's like opening day all right cool cool um so i, I guess oh you're good max go yeah so yeah, I mean, you're asking about Battle Styles, which is just like a wave of releases. I'm going to give my framework. Joe, you can correct me. I encourage you to correct me. Sure, okay. But every two years in line with the Pokemon video games, which I have never played in my entire life. I never owned a Nintendo DS. I never owned a Game Boy. That was banned in my household. Video games rot your brain, kids. But there is a Pokemon. I think it's a new Pokemon game every two years. I think mo this most recent set for... 20 through 2020 through 2022 when they released the cards is sword and shield the one before that was sun and moon and usually they release five to six pokemon tcg company releases five to six sets each year under the umbrella branch of pokemon sword and shield battle styles or rebel clash or base set sword and shield and usually that spans about two years in total and with the exception of the 25th anniversary, there's one special set per year. For Sun and Moon in 2019, that was Hidden Fates. For 2021, it was Shining Fates. Very fun name, but very, you know, unoriginal naming. But in regards to that, there's some sets that are worth more or less than other sets. And that's largely oriented on the chase cards. You have your, I think, two commons per pack, two uncommons per pack. Some people buy as low as, you know, a cent or two cents per you get one rare card the rare can be a hollow the rare can be a non-hollow there's reverse hollows which are a different design and then there's your ultra rares which are your more powerful cards with higher hit points higher hp and you can also get variations of the ultra rare cards with different art designs and usually in this modern age the amount of alt arts or full arts of desirable pokemon what is what determines the long-term value of a product Okay, so Joe, Rebel Clash had like one alt art of Napoleon, which is a really cool penguin Pokemon, which nice. is now worth like 30 bucks, and that was the biggest chase of Rebel Clash. So it's it's worth under SRP at this point. Okay, so am I hearing this correctly that like the video games come out every couple years or whatever, and that's kind of like for sports reasoning, like a year, like. 2022 tops 2022 is going to have a tops chrome tops tops archives tops heritage and then like each pokemon video game is going to have like different tiers of releases for that video game basically is that am i correct on that i would say like an era like sword and shield let's say two years um that's like a lo one long season and like baseball or, or basketball it is you could compare it to that um and yeah so when I think of like sets I'm going to buy, there's a couple of different things. So like back in the day, there might've been 70, 80 cards to a set. And there might've been like five holographic cards that you wanted to get. So like base set, you wanted to get like Charizard. That obviously is the main one. Now a set like Evolving Skies has like 10 alternate arts. Each of them are worth a hundred bucks or more. So like just the collecting, the set is three times as big. So there's two or two and a half times. So there's 250 cards per set instead of 70 cards per set. So the sets are bigger, but there's more chase cards. Um, and it's, yeah, you could think of it kind of like the era is, is like a season. But yeah. And usually with the English sets, they combine one or two, usually it's two Japanese sets that release a few months earlier. So the Japanese iterations come out before the English iterations and it really it combined two very successful Japanese sets, and partly is because Eevee and the evolutions of Eevee. You get like a Fire Eevee, you get an Ice Eevee, you get you know Leafeon, Glaceon, Flareon. I'm going to say them in the Pokemon names and not just in the Pokemon yeah. names. <clears throat> and they're very popular Pokemon. And seeing all the designs for all seven of them that I believe there's seven. Last time I checked, there's seven of them is very popular for people to want to collect. So it makes people want to rip and want to chase that. And I guess one more thing that I want to pick your brain on, Joe, when we were collecting, when we were youngsters, 
there wasn't any chase cards. There wasn't any real monetary value associated with opening a pack of Diamond and Pearl, which was an era like eight, ten years ago. Now, your kid, you know, the kids that you interact with, they see a Shining Fates card, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's a massive card. I have to protect this. So, yeah, that's I think that's a huge difference. Whenever I was collecting, I didn't care if it was shiny or not. If I just liked it, like I liked it, I threw it in my binder. You know, I could have like 50 base cards of the same Pikachu. Like I didn't care. That's what I wanted. But like now my four year old nephew or cousin, Josh, loves Charizard. He loves, loves, loves Charizard. If it's shiny and it's got Charizard on it, he wants it. So I think there definitely is like a big push to know the bigger names and want to collect like, I don't know, in, in baseball, your favorite player as a kid. Now it's you have a favorite Pokemon and you want it in the alt art. You want it in the shiniest version possible. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a little bit more of a demand from that. And you, I mean, to your point, Diamond and Pearl, like now we look at it and it's a super expensive set, awesome cards, awesome artwork. But back then it sat on shelves for like months at a time like it was a not a very desirable product tommy people collect sealed wax in pokemon not invest collect well okay few things i have a few thoughts yeah. here from my ignorant brain first yes the sealed wax for pokemon is way cooler looking so that makes sense to me that people would want to collect it because it looks way cooler than very displayable stuff. yeah yeah super displayable that's a good way of putting it um I like to hear that the same there's the same phenomenon going on in Pokemon as in sports right now where in order to keep the amount of hits like in order to increase the amount of hits you can get and like make the rips more fun they have to expand the sets like make it a bigger checklist basically so it seems like that's a similar thing going on in Pokemon and sports um but Joe we actually never you never finished so I want to hear what's like what's the origin of trading card Joe like how cuz we got up to we got up to like 16 17 yeah. And then we sidetracked. So you got to get back. Tell us what, like, we never got to who is trading card Joe. Yeah, my bad. Uh, easily sidetracked. Um, trading card Joe is somebody who was laid off during COVID and was, like, just playing video games, having fun. I was playing a bunch of games, like, just old Call of Duties that I played when I was younger and all of a sudden, I was like, my parent. I went and visited my parents, and they're like, "Hey, we were cleaning out storage. Here's a shoebox full of baseball cards, Pokemon cards, etc." And I was like, "Oh man, like, I see Gary V talking about sports cards and Pokemon cards and everything." I was like, "Let me let me check eBay or whatever and see what these are worth." And you know, like an hour later, I'm like, "Wow, I got like 600 bucks here. Like, this is pretty crazy." Like, I'm checking my childhood collection, um, and to be honest, like. I thought I was like, okay, well, I can sell these on eBay. And um, I had Instagram. I had uh, Twitter at the time. And to be honest, I never checked Twitter. And um, so for whatever reason, I, I think Gary Vee was like putting stuff on Twitter. So I went and just started watching his content. And all of a sudden I started seeing like, uh, I would search like Pokemon or, or something in the search bar of Twitter. And I came across Ryan's cards. And this dude is slinging cards left and right, selling everything under the sun. And I'm sitting here just like amazed at like what he's doing. So uh, he was actually a really big inspiration to me when I first started, because I saw that like, it was actually possible to like sell stuff on Twitter and sell cards and make connections with people over it. Um, so I was like, oh, I can do this. I was like, I can, I can sell cards. Like I, I want to like meet people who like the same stuff as I do. Um so I actually went on eBay and I think the first like modern age product I bought was two yeah 2020 illusions basketball. Such a terrible product now yeah. that I think about it. One of my first trades on I have a very similar Twitter story like how I got back into it <laughs> like I just like searched baseball cards on Twitter one day basically and like found I think Dixon's cards who like does mainly sports stuff but um yeah, I was like, I had the same thought of like, oh, what the fuck? There's all these people on Twitter who collect cards and I never even knew about this like community. Like, I just want to be a part of it. And I feel like super similar about that. Um, so where'd you go from there? Yeah, so I, I bought some Illusions product. I ripped it open. I got like a, the, my best hit out of like 10 boxes. I spent so much money. It was ridiculous for a product that's terrible. Uh, I got like a, I think it was... Um, zion williamson flux yellow rookie card at the time was selling for like 50 bucks i think now it's like 
10 or something super cheap. And I sold it and I was like, I was through the roof. Even though I lost a bunch of money, I was like, I like, I can sell something like this is crazy. And I sold it on eBay. Um, and then like a couple of months went by and I was just kind of observing and watching people. I started following a bunch of people on Twitter. And then um, um, I forget how I even got really back into Pokemon on Twitter. I think I started doing a, a stack sale. Like I wanted to run my first one. I think I had baseball, non-sport, basketball, Pokemon, everything. And I think the Pokemon sold the best. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to give back into that. Um, I had my parents ship me all my old cards and I pretty much ran a stack sale with all my old childhood cards, made some money and was like, okay, well now I need more. Cause like, I want to do this again. And I made a tweet and reached out and had people sell me some cards. And honestly, I don't even think I asked for like a discount or anything. I think I just bought them and like sold them for like a dollar more than I paid. Like it was not a very good business practice, but like I just wanted to like sell them and be involved. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, you, Joe, you kind of know Logan, right? Uh, former guest of the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm meeting up with him in a, like in two hours, actually. I'm going to pick That's up awesome. a sports card lot. Nice. Uh, I think he has like a kind of similar selling story because like he started out just kind of like flip, like just selling his collection or like his childhood collection. And like didn't like the art of buying lots to buy like to flip is something that I feel like you can only really learn from experience. Like you need to have a oh, couple yeah. bad lots that you buy and like a couple bad experiences with that. Um so how did you and Max meet? Max, you maybe want to hop in there? Yeah, I was tweeting, what are some good Pokemon card accounts to follow? And Trading Card Joe uh, tags himself amongst others. And I'm like, okay, I respect the effort. You know, I guess that's, that's fun. You know, this makes me have a negative view of you <laughs> from the get-go. I wasn't even Trading like, Card then. I think I was still just normal old Joe. I don't think I had switched the name over yet. You were you were offer you were already selling trade you were slinging trading cards. Though. I was, but I don't think I had the name. I only changed the name kind of well, recently. What is the brand Trading Card Joe? It is Trading Card Joe. That's just what it is. You have your website? Yes, not up. It's up on uh, this upcoming Friday. So you're not you're not though cards full time as Max likes to say cards full time. I'm not cards full time. Um, I work at a tech startup currently, um, which is pretty demanding so um and also i couldn't afford to do cards full-time yet uh hopefully within my goal is a year or two um that's, that's it, my your goal though is to make it full-time yeah so trading card joe happened because i learned how to buy lots and i was like this is super fun and i think i had success because i was like ryan made stack sales events he wasn't posting cards on twitter just to post them he was saying like, be here at 8.30 PM. Like we're going to have some fun. Like, and I was like, oh, this guy knows how to do it. So I was making like, like little graphics, like saying like, guys, if you 7.30, I'm going to hand out some free cards. I'm going to hop on Twitter live to like give them away. Like, I don't know. I made an event and I think I was like, I was not the first Pokemon person to do that, but I think I really like made the events huge and that's, it just kind of like hit it off. Um, and then I found some success and pretty much the rest is history. Just slanging cards on Twitter now. Nice. Well, all right. So what me and Max talk a lot about how to sell cards, the different places that you can sell cards, which ones we like, which ones we like to buy on, which ones we like to sell on. Um, you're kind of, you the ones you've mentioned so far, eBay and Twitter, mm -hmm. but I know that Pokemon, the world, there's, there's more ways to liquidate in Pokemon. So do you want to? Yeah maybe explain some of the different ways that you are able to sell Pokemon cards. And then Max, I want to hear about, you need to hop in after with your, how you sell Pokemon. Cause we haven't talked about Max's Pokemon slugging yet. Yeah. eBay, um, Twitter, and then TCG player. So if you're not familiar with TCG player, people who um, actually play the TCG, that's where they'll go most of the time to buy their cards. eBay so, bought them lately. Recently. And eBay did buy them for a, big chunk of change, which is, I'm, I'm actually really happy about. I think if they integrate well, it'll be a good merger. Um, time will tell, but TCG player. And what a lot of people don't understand, I think when you're such a uh, heavy into just collecting Pokemon, you forget people are playing it. So like there's a meta and there's cards that like dominate the TCG. Well, obviously those cards are going to be desired by the players. So their value is going to go up. So like, although, Battle styles, 
Chilling Rain and Fusion Strike, you can buy a booster for under a hundred bucks and $140 is MSRP. Um, they have cards that are super playable and super desirable. So they might not have Charizard, but they have cards in the TCG that are, are super valuable. So TCG player is where you're going to find most of your bulk cards, which are like a penny to five cents all the way up to like higher end stuff, 500, 600. Um, I would say the most common is eBay, TCG player, and then Twitter. Um, and then I know there's a couple, um, couple other places like buy.jp where you can get like Japanese cards. They do like auctions and stuff. Um, but it's, it's not as common as eBay or TCG player. So Max, have you ever sold in or sold or bought anything on TCG player? I want to know more I, about the world. I have not done either. So one of the biggest aspects of TCG player is that in almost all situations, no pictures are involved. And this is useful and less effort for 10 cent, 20 cent, 30 cent cards that are just needed for decks or lower end commons and uncommons that are just used for sets or for decks. For higher end cards, I would want to see pictures and TCG does have that. But I would rather just use eBay just because it's a better indicator of the market and there's more reputation behind the sellers. Some TCG sellers are known for shadier shipping practices, especially given the no pictures element of it in general with collecting with tcg it's not viewed as oh this has a light scratch this has corner wear this is whatever it's damaged heavy played moderately played lightly played near mint and there is some subjectiveness and ambiguity in this i know i bought a card at a north carolina show that the seller said was moderately played and it came back a PSA 8, which is Airman's Mint. Pleasant surprise. But sometimes you have to trust your own eye and scrutinize the subject of this for good or for bad when looking at it in these classifications. All right. This is leading me to my next question for you guys, which is we talked a lot. Of, we talked about what people like to collect in the Pokemon world, but something that we love. We love collecting cards, but we also love complaining about the companies that produce the cards and just, you know, doing that sort of shenanigans. So, Joe, what are, like, the things that Pokemon collectors, Pokemon, like, buyers and sellers, what are the things that, like, grind their gears and, that, like, you see on Twitter a lot from the people? Like, what are what are some things that happen that get people annoyed? I would say when it comes to the TCG, I would say quality control is definitely a big one because collectors... Nowadays, from what I've seen, and obviously Twitter is a small sample of all, all of collectors, with especially like Nintendo. Loud, loud minority. <laughs> yes. Very, yeah, very loud minority. Um, people nowadays want their cards to be near mint or better because they want to grade them. Whether if they see value in it or if they want to just protect their collection, I think more people in the Pokemon community are grading more than ever. Like it's just, it's so popular. Um, and to make a point on what Max said is TCG player lays out their like standards when you're buying on Twitter near mint is like pretty close to mint light play is near mint. But like when you're on TCG player, a card can have an indentation scratches and everything and still be considered, uh, considered near mint. So like there's a little bit of like uh, a condition issue when it comes to like what people on twitter are collecting versus what they're collecting on tcg um so it's it's a little bit different but i would say quality yeah i would say quality control is the biggest complaint that i've seen um or overprinting overprinting yeah that's i see all right so there's a lot of similarities then between the sports card um have you gotten into the world of grading at all with pokemon is that something that you do do you submit at all or like where i don't i know that there are like different I know CSG has like their whatever their graded trading card company grading. So like, which ones do you like? Which company would you grade with? Do you grade? So Max is going to yell at me because I don't grade a lot. And he's always, he texts me every day and he goes, Hey, what are you grading? So uh, I don't grade a lot. It's, I probably should Um, honestly, like, and I don't have any problems with people who grade and then sell cards that they don't think will tend. Like I have no problem with that. That's just how it is. Um, I like to sell like raw cards that's just what i like and i want people to be able to like go on my website buy a card it's clean they graded they get a 10 like i feel like there's some like excitement in that 
Um, but at the same time, I don't have any issues with people who grade and sell the other ones. Like there's nothing wrong with it. Um, PSA, CGC. I don't see a lot of SGC with Pokemon very rarely. Um, and then there's like TGA, the grading authority. Um, and then a bunch of other pop-up shops that have started grading companies. It's very similar to sports. Like yeah. I would say TGA is a mild version of HGA. They have, they're better with their like customer service, but they're for like more colorful labels and stuff, but they're just a newer company. So I'm not going to grade there personally. That, ma that makes sense. Lately uh, at LEDX, we've been like trying to gather all the grading companies that we want to be able to like support on the app. And sure. with Pokemon, we just started to look at all the different Pokemon grading companies that have started to pop up. And it is heinous how many are on eBay. If you look up a card, like how many absurd, like borderline fake grading companies there are out there. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I really, so I'll buy CGC and PSA, SGC, depending on the card. Um, but like, I'll tell you what, if it's not PSA or like a high end, like 9.5 or above on CGC, it just doesn't sell or you have to like discount it just majorly. It's really hard to move stuff. That's not PSA or, or high grade CGC. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Max, very similar you have, there. Max, do you have any thoughts on these, uh, on the world of grading for trading card games? I'm not going to yell at you, Joe, for not grading yourself. I do think though, <laughs> that it's a very, it's one of the easiest ways to move up and stack your bread in the card game. And I encourage everyone to do as many facets of the card game that you can. Speaking of grading, Tommy Rada graded his Jordan Spieth Green Tops Chrome Refractor, which I believe ends tonight at auction. Ends tonight. After grading a PSA 10. So Tommy's going to catch a bag on that one, hopefully. I, it's it's called a, I'm referring to this as the great liquidation event of December 2022 for me because yes. I needed some cash. <laughs> Tommy needs cash. I'll be good. But in regards to that, I think Pokemon specifically is easier because the quality control is bad, but it's over very little nuances. Sometimes there's very bad centering with Pokemon. That's the biggest issue. But most of the time, the surfaces are clean and there's no edge or corner issues if the cards are unplayed. So which results to like very high, like 70 to 80% gem rates on common valuable Pokemon cards that are produced very highly because it's stuff in serial numbered which is just an easy way to accumulate funds in your spare time. But if you want to also leverage your reputation of, hey, my cards are never picked through, have never even gone through the loop. I don't use loops, but have gone through the loop. Then that's only one more way that you can make yourself more marketable as a seller. That's, and you know, that's really what, my thought process was the only really cards I, I want to grade are going to be like very high end cards. Um, I mean, so like I, I buy lots like 300, 400 card lots once or twice a week. And at the, I don't have time cause it's just myself to look through and pick out the ones to grade. So I know it would be beneficial for my business in like a financial sense to like focus on that. Um, but I think um, I actually, I am going to be hiring somebody part-time to help with like inventory stuff. So I might be, I might be getting more into that, but um, I do want that full transfer. I think there is a lack of transparency on like TCG player of what condition is. So like, I want to be like an industry leader when it comes to like, when you're buying a near mint or mint card, it is exactly what it says it is. The counterpoint is that mint to gem mint to near mint mint is very subjective and that without a third-party grading company getting an independent view on it, which is why we have third-party grading companies and not first- and second-party grading companies, that not being able to guarantee anything higher than your mint is sure. done as an operation to protect the seller. Yeah. And to not put in an irrational expectation of the buyer. That's why it's near mint or better. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's what I, I don't. I mean, I think TCG player and how they lay out their card conditioning standards is very clear, but I just, I think from like what I see on Twitter, if I say near mint and I show them a card and then on TCG player, I, I say near mint and I show you the card, there's definitely a disconnect yeah. near mint right. on Twitter is LP or MP on or uh, near mint on Twitter is like PSA or Beckett black label on TCG player. Like it's just very, very different. 
I think it's interesting how you're remarking on the time that it takes to sift through a lot, because I think at least for Pokemon, the biggest thing, especially for older cards, is condition. You can have a Gem Mint 2003 Expedition Charmander, which is Charmander is a common card. This is from a 2003 set, and that will probably I'm just taking a guess. May, might be worth 100 bucks or maybe 50 bucks or at the very least worth your margin let alone a you know a polyworld rare hollow from that set and the psa 10 or even a psa 9 still commands a lot because it's high grade and those cards are very difficult to find even when i go to my local gaming store i'm not really stack selling or anything of that operation anymore but i'm looking for play pokemon league play cards that are just like near mint ish, hopefully near mint or better. But so many of these are thrashed that if I can just find a card in PSA nine or PSA 10 condition from before 2014, then I want to buy that simply because there's so few mint copies that even exist because these cards are meant to be played or shoved in binaries. That makes Ever sense. Shove. But and my own collecting endeavor is I enjoy Diamond and Pearl subset from 2007, from 2006, 2008, Platinum and Diamond and Pearl. I'm looking for mint, gem mint copies of my favorite Pokemon from these sets that have very few copies even graded. All right. I have to be the bearer of bad news here. We got one more question for Joe, and then we're going to do our little closing segment, which is always classic. But Joe, we haven't talked at all about what you collect. So give the people let the people know what is in the trading card joe pc what it what's what do you collect i find it so since i'm a small growing business i find it really hard to collect stuff that i can sell so right now i'm not collecting any sets for pokemon uh, really if it's a tcg i'm not collecting it because i can liquidate it very quickly and it just doesn't make sense for that money to sit on the shelf even though it does bring me joy so i'm a huge harry potter fan and a huge Game of Thrones fan. So um, I actually just bought three Game of Thrones autos uh, two days ago. And then I got a 2001 Panini Harry Potter sticker and a PSA 9. That oh, hell yeah. I ripped that, that that 2001 sticker set. I ripped a box of that. Like, not, the gold, not the gold shiny. It's a yellow border one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I We actually talked about this like, like a 20 episodes ago because the debate between like the sticker versus card world um sure. uh, is interesting but that's cool i like the non-sport i fuck with that that's sick um so where i love movies i love tv shows i find myself like binging them and i'm just like when i look around so like i've got like some star wars some pokemon like game of thrones and then lord of the rings and stuff so like i don't know i love movies i was like why not start collecting those so that's what I'm going to get a nice like shadow box to get them displayed and everything. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm collecting right now. I love that. I love that. Um, but we end every episode here. First of all, Joe, don't worry about it. You're going to be, you're our Pokemon guy. If there's ever right. big Pokemon, whatever there's big Pokemon stuff going on, we're going to have you on again. So I know we have way more things to talk about. Don't feel bad that we didn't get to all of them, but we like to talk about like our recent pickups. So you mentioned you're going to go pick up a lot from Logan. Uh, What's your thought process behind buying a sports card lot? What is in that lot? Like, what are you looking for? And like, maybe if you have another purchase that you made in the last week that you want to talk about, go for it. Yeah. So I have two purchases I'll talk about. The Logan one, I think is really interesting. Um, I was watching, I forget exactly who on YouTube, but they were like, when I want to get into an industry or like a market, I buy a bunch of cheap stuff from it. And then I learn everything I can about it. So I think I have a pretty good understanding of like the high end sports market because that's what you see like on Twitter, like this sold for X, this sold for Y. I know nothing about the one to $3 market. So Logan had this bulk lot up for sale and he was basically like, who wants it? And I was like, I want to learn more about sports. I'm trying to beef up my eBay. Um, and I was like, I'll take it. So I, it's pretty much, I'm not expecting to make any money anytime soon on this lot. It's purely education, so I can learn about different parallels, base, numbered, if there's any in there, or patches, whatever. I just want to learn more about the market, so I feel comfortable making larger purchases. Totally get that. That's a cool, I like that a lot. Um, that's a, I feel like we talk about that a lot, but just like learning to trust your instincts. Like when I'm looking through a lot now, I'm like, or like if I'm going at a show yesterday and I'm looking through a dollar, you know, $5 bin. 
it took a really long time for me to be like, oh, this is like a, even a bin worth going through. Right. Like, like, like recognizing the signs of like, oh, dang, this dude put this in this bin. Like, I'm going to, he put like a 2014 red hot Mookie in like a hundred dollar bin. You know, just like things where you're just like, yeah. I'm just spitting off the top of my head. But um, that's cool. We'll, we'll have to follow up on that. So next time Trading Card Joe's on, we'll have to talk about your, your education into the sports card world for sure and get deeper into that stuff but uh that's cool what do you have another purchase that you want to talk about yeah so like mainly what i'm trying to buy is alternate arts like that's just it the artwork's awesome they're a little bit more limited because the pull rates um and people love them people want to grade them people want to buy them so that's really kind of all i've been buying and with my like normal margin I, i try to grab them every time i can um so if, if you ever have, uh, if you ever see alternate art Pokemon that's on, that's on sale, good deal. I would grab it. That's my what, recommendation. What it, uh, for me, the ignorant person, I know what a normal Pokemon card kind of looks like. What it would be like the indicators that something's an alternative art card? Let's see here. So that's a good question. Max, how would you answer that? Hmm. Did you, you hear the question, Max? <laughs> I'm going to toss it back at you, Joe. Yeah, I would say the best indication is if it's a full art card. So if the art covers the entire um, piece of card. No, there's no border. There's no yep, border. And then you can look at the set number. The set is 175 and the set number is over that. You can tell if it's going to be an alternate art or a secret rare or any of those. So just a little yeah. bit. Cool. So I include both of my eBay titles. Full. I usually just say full art, alt art. You can call me. I also also put RC in actual first Bowman cards as well. But apropos to that, I don't agree with the set numbering. I could be wrong here because the set numbering just indicates if it's a secret rare or not. Um, I usually, you can recognize the effort that goes into an alt art because you can tell it's not a usual trading card design. Like there's, it's more aesthetic. And it's more artistic and maybe even collectible. While the full art is just indicative of how much of the illustration takes up on the card. And there's also cards that break the usual frame of the card, but are still not full arts. So I toss it back on you in part because I find it difficult to answer myself. And I usually just don't care enough to. However, alt arts and a secret rare is its own is not mutually exclusive from a full art and an alt art and most alt arts are full arts all right we'll get we'll get more into this next episode. yeah it's very technical because there's like there can be cards that the artwork is the full like display of the card but it's or not full. considered a full art okay. even though the art is on the full card it gets this a little like, technical. This seems like a Pokemon 201 for me. Maybe next. Maybe next. Uh, yeah, next it gets month. a little technical. I just learned it like a couple months ago. I was like misnaming cards. So um, education is important in the hobby as always. Uh, no, it's not. Real. All right, Max. No, it's not. What did you buy, Max? You went to a card show today. You want to give us the how are the give us a vibe check maybe, and then how would you pick up? Vibes bad. Same show that is one of my local shows, but this one is. I hate to hate to keep bashing them, but half 50% of the ownership of the national runs this show. It was the same dealers as it usually is. I bought Zilch. I probably should have bought maybe even a blaster or something like that. But I bought Zilch. I bought zero cards. I went to a card show yesterday on Saturday and I bought two boxes of value boxes, I suppose, but more so just chunk on people's table that I want to capitalize on them being lazy on. And I made some good deals there. I bought about $750 of me spending on their value boxes. I bought the whole box, which is something I usually don't did, do not do. I bought the whole box of one guy, and I bought one row of another guy. What was but, the what was the TLDR of those lots that you bought? But I want to give the long form. All right, well, whatever. Do the long form, then. Um, one of them was from a local card shop that is a big breaker, big Facebook breaker in my local area. And I don't know how exactly they required the cards. Maybe collections. People that buy collections are the best people to buy off of because they're already for so cheap that breakers, breakers, and dudes that like have rip a ton of wax end up with like random stuff that they yeah. Well, I know the success of the shop isn't based off how well they buy and sell cards; it's how well they break. So I know that. I mean, just on my own experience, they aren't the best buyers and sellers. 
to my in my opinion. That makes sense. But uh, it was mostly slabs. I'm trying to get better at buying in bulk, and I've decompressed that into trying to estimate the amount of cards in the box and the average value of the card, which, of course, there's a balance of negotiation and ethics. Part of it is it's not my responsibility to count your cards and let you know how many cards you have in your box because they're not my cards. But at the same time, I, I don't know what's in your box. I'm literally looking at these cards for the first time, and I don't know the values of them. The onus is on you to give me a price. Yeah, but like some people don't go looking to sell their boxes, though, you know? No, like, exactly. Like, I'm not going to like actively like miscount your cards, but I'm saying like, if I'm saying, oh, okay, I think the average value of the cards in here are closer to $5 per than 10, then I'm also coming in uneducated on your box. But as the, as the seller, you should have at least a general gauge of what your box is worth or even what is in your box. Yeah, and that's actually good advice, though. Like, if you're going to a show, if you're going to set up at a show, you should have a price ready for your box. Like, if you have a value bin. Like, I wouldn't even say you should have a price ready, but you should know, like, hey, this box is mostly $20 cards. And then I look through it, I'm like, okay, that checks out. There's $120 cards. This is worth, I'm not doing the math, even though I was almost a math minor. I've had taken advanced classes, math classes before. But, okay, this box is worth much. this much based off the 20 dollars per card by a hundred and i i'm going to give you this percent of the face value 50 percent, 60 percent, 70 percent, whatever pixie dust you want to throw at it saying it with conviction helps and also recognizing that you are the liquidity giver that makes me more firm in my offers it's like my offer is not 450 my offer is 400 i'm not going to meet you in the middle of 425 but maybe that's because i'm a hard ball you are a hard hard baller but uh I love hearing Max's negotiation tactics. And, but I'm shutting you down, Max. One, but, you, have, you have one more minute to explain. Yeah, your. no, uh, latest eBay buys. Because um, we're getting into what I bought lately outside of those value boxes. I bought a PSA 9 UEFA gold, Green Bubbles of Erling Holland. It was a PSA 9. We'll see if that stays that way. The fuck is a Green Bubbles? So in UEFA Tops Chrome 2019 and 2020, they made bubbles variations, which were hobby exclusive, but you had to calculate the print run by hand. For green bubbles, I believe it's 99. It's just like the regular green parallel. But I know like aqua bubbles is like at a 62 in 2020. And there's some really fun PR calculations that some people don't know how rare the item is. But I won it at auction. I won that for a nice, for, you know, that was a nice, Erling Holland rookie that I bought. And I bought another Bones Highland Gold Pulsar out of 10, which is making me uneasy. Stop but... buying Pulsars mainly, but all right. Well, That's probably, a, I, I don't mind. I owned, I owned one. I wanted to double down and own two. And then a third also went at auction, which is weird for an out of 10 card. That is crazy. Um, yeah. My one pickup I'm going to talk about, or because I talked about it last week with the eBay authentication question. Joe, I bought the card that like was really, really mislabeled like just like clearly missing information in the title. And it was just like a seller that had zero feedback on eBay, but it's a card I've been after for a really long time. It's this is like a rare Obama card. Um, and so I bought it with authentic authenticity guaranteed. And I got it at a price that I was very happy about. So I was like, please God have this pass authenticity because no one's faking this card. Um, and, but the title was so bad that I was like, are they even going to accept it because it's so off? you know, from what the card actually is, but it passed eBay authentication and I got it in hand. So I'm very happy about that. Um, Congrats. So that was cool. And my first experience with eBay authentication and went smoothly. So it, it, it like was done in a day and whatever, I got it fast. So that's my one anecdote. I have a really big trade that I made, Max, with uh, Rich Moy, big fan of the program. Oh. So I saw the, the Power Rangers. Yeah, that, that's super cool. Yeah, I bought these acid, or we traded. I got these like a, a lot of acetate Power Ranger cards that are absolute fire. So I'll be talking about that next week a little bit more because me and well, Rich you, get back. you acquired the Power Rangers. What did you give up? So about a, I've I've been on a hot streak with packs. That's been my I've been absolutely on a heater. So I ripped a hanger and I pulled the home field advantage Julio Rodriguez rookie, um, which is an absolute fire looking card and. 
it's like joe i don't know if you know joe it's like the downtown looking inserts that tops yeah I'm, I'm familiar with them yeah um but so i got in the hangar i wasn't into it much um rich is a great friend a friend of the program and he reached out and was like would you be interested potentially in like a big lot of these graded power rangers for the julio rodriguez and i'm like honestly rich i that that sounds like something i'm down to do that sounds kind of fun and like i don't know power rangers were a big part of like i was a power ranger like three straight years for halloween and like three four like four five six or whatever ages so i was like you know what i'm right yeah i'm down for this joe i mean uh rich like i don't i'm not invested into this julio card i just pulled it like i have the short print that i pulled from update two so i'm like i'm not i don't need two sick julio cards um and rich has been such a good friend of the program as like i'm super down to do kind of a fun kind of who even knows what the value of these power rangers cards are but i'm kind of down to do a fun trade like that so that was really fun cards they're sleepers sometimes you got some crazy value hidden in there yeah and he graded them too so i'm like these are graded they're like who knows the population of these is going to be like nothing so yeah and they were like nines which is like tough for acetate in general yeah for sure so i'm excited about that trade but um i'll get that in hand hopefully by the next episode and we'll talk about it more but joe you want to give the people let them know where they can find you during the week and uh yeah uh so right now my twitter handle is joseph mclean with two ends or you can just search trading card joe and uh, this upcoming Friday, uh, 12-16, you can go to tradingcardjoe.com and buy all of your favorite English and Japanese singles for all of your sets that you need to collect. Sweet. Well, we'll That's make sure to like. post about that on uh, the Young Old Head socials and stuff when you when the website is live. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with us. Uh, definitely going to have you on again to talk about whenever the next big pokemon thing is coming around or if you have if you feel like you're starting to do more sports and want to talk about how you've been learning about that world i think next episode we have plenty of stuff to cover more and uh if you're listening to this and have questions for joe that you would want us to talk to him about next time he's on so just let it just reach out in the dms and we'll make it happen but really appreciate it max you have any parting thoughts for the young old young old heads out there pokemon pokemon we'll see you guys next week and thank you joe Thank you, guys.